two Sunday social playing into the hour with uh, Kate Bush running up that hill. And the reason, the reason I'm going to start the show with that, I just happened to be poodling around, poodling around YouTube uh, yesterday. Nothing better to do. The, 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 the weather wasn't quite conducive to going outside. So I was poodling around YouTube and, uh, and found there from the BBC a documentary, uh, Kate Bush running up that hill, the whole entire story of the woman. I knew a little bit about her. I knew a little bit about her, and as a, as, a, as a young boy in Lower Hutt, I'd spoken to her on the radio on ZB, and I got all embarrassed. But anyway, have a listen to that, and then have a think about Kate Bush, and have a think about Lord. Very similar stories. Hey, it's going to be one cracker of a show tonight, show number 183. I would love you to be a part of it. Uh, as always, text me 3920, keyword live. That'll pop up in one of the 27 screens here in the heart of the News Hub, right in front of me. You can tweet me, at Vaughan Davis. Later in the show, we've got a brand new panellist, a brand new panellist, Mr Piyush Chandra, or PC, as we call him, appropriately, because he's kind of a geek, PC, joins us with an alternative way, an alternative way to find your way quickly to your school holiday destination. And uh, my heart goes out for you. If you if you decided Sunday, Sunday's the day I'm going to drive the kids off on school holidays, well, be careful out there because, uh, you know, you're going to see cows flying past at the, uh, the rate the wind is blowing out there. I think the technical term is 40 bastards. It's blowing like 40 bastards. But uh, we're going to give you a whole new way to navigate your way around the country on, uh, on school holidays, so stay tuned for that. And, well, bad news. Bad news if 140-character tweets from Donald Trump were almost as much as you could bear, well... I'm afraid we've got some bad news on that front. First, though. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. Cats, politics, videos of people trying to do cool skateboard jumps and ending up face down in the concrete, yet more cats. At first glance, there's not much business-like about Facebook. That might be changing, though, with the recent launch, well, with the recent relaunch of Facebook Workplace, a feature of the website designed to let work teams talk about business in the same way we've always talked about cats. One organisation giving it a go is the New Zealand Transport Agency, NZTA, and we're joined by Martin McMullen to tell us what it's all about. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Vaughan. Hey, for me. F- first, for people um, who might have only just seen, you know, the logo on the side of a, a bridge lane-changing machine, perhaps, what's the NZTA anyway? What's the what's the organisation there for? The New Zealand Transport Agency, we operate and we also uh, invest in the land transport system. So that includes funding local authorities to keep the local arterial roads open for our customers to use. And we also operate and maintain the state highway network across all of New Zealand. That's ensuring that people are kept safe and they can get to where they need to do and you know live their lives and move around as seamlessly as possible. So that's pretty important stuff. So it's, it's, it's roads, uh, roads, bridges and, and tunnels really, isn't it? Yeah, but we want to be much more, much more than that. It's really about thinking it as a connected transport system and, you know, and the emerging digital technologies that are arriving at the moment, whether it be automation, shared mobility, and other forms of technology, we've got to make sure that we're not just a one-trip pony and we actually look at it as a complete system. 
Well, you, you can't, yeah, that, that's interesting because we, we think of roads. I mean, you know, the Romans made roads and, and I'm guessing the Etruscans before them made roads. Um, roads haven't changed very much, or have they? Uh, the technology's changed, and, and, I, and I, if I, I'd probably say no, but if a pavement engineer heard me saying that, they'd probably disagree greatly. But um, I would say, um, at a systems point of view, very little. And I'd also argue that a lot of the vehicles and systems that have op- used them over the last 100 years haven't really changed much. But in the next decade, we're going to see a radical change in the terms of mode of transportation, and we've got to make sure that as a an asset owner and also there to help New Zealand evolve and become a great uh, country that it's going to become in the future that we're ready for that change to embrace it. And one of the uh, we're going to get to Facebook Workplace in a minute. I'm being I'm being sidetracked by this interesting little line of line of discussion here. One of the thing the big things that's going to change is well, most likely um, vehicles that drive themselves, right, on your roads, which were previously driven by you know highly highly uh, highly qualified and experienced uh, you know licensed New Zealand human drivers, are going to be driven by robots. That's got to be a bit of a shake up for for what you do. Oh, massive shake-up, but we've got to get not too consumed by autonomous vehicles. They are just an endpoint. They're one, they're essentially a, a computer. Yeah. We need to be really focused about who's going to connect the internet for those computers, whether they've got wheels or whether they're actually airborne computers, to actually operate in and around. And that's, that's my job as a director of Connected Journeys, is the development of the digital transport system that we're going to use to consume, optimise and operate a safe transport system of the future. Connected journeys, what does that mean? Well, it means we connect people to information, each other. Um, so if you think about, you know, you know, you mentioned you live out, out west. If you were travelling in on the morning, how can we connect you into other people who are travelling on that same journey with you? Um, because actually there's plenty of space out on the transport system. We've just got to start looking at how many vehicles are on it to actually how many people are using it. And vehicle occupancy can be improved. Public transportation occupancy can be improved. Yeah, well, you, I, I, I thought about that the other day, you know, you, at times, the motorway seems, you know, 90% car and, uh, and the occasional peep of tarmac um, showing through. But I guess if you, if you looked at it over time, it's mostly empty. There's yeah, mostly, there's mostly nothing there. Yeah, outside of peak hours, it's, it's mostly empty. So how can you move those peaks? How can you actually increase vehicle occupancy? Because the way that I try and look at um, transportation is there's actually only two forms of transport. You're either moving on your own or you're moving with others. And everything's a tradable commodity within that. And, you know, the question is, is you know, who's going to build the app store for these future transport options that are going to come together? And uh, that's really what we've just tried to do in Queenstown by launching the application Choice, which allows users to download an app. It's got all the taxis, the buses, the ski shuttles, the adventure tourism, um, shuttles and buses, water taxis and helicopters. And you can go in there and you can book them and consume them all within one place. That's Interesting. So the the app's called Choice. Yeah. And it's on iPhone and Android. Or it's on it's on Android and, and iPhone. iPhone. And only for Queen Queenstown's an interesting choice because it always. I don't know if you grew up with the. Um, remember the Richard Scarry books, the Busy Town books, where there were these you know beautifully illustrated towns where little cats would drive the the fire yeah. engines and the worm would always drive the the post office truck or whatever. Um, Queenstown always reminded me of Busy Town. There's so much going on on land and water in the air. Yeah. Is that why you chose to launch this choice? app in Queenstown? Yeah, I think there's always a couple of reasons. One was the, um, the proactiveness for innovation and new technology by the Mayor and Otago Regional Council down in Queenstown. That was really, uh, that came through strongly. But also the topography is quite similar to Wellington. A lot of people movements t- to and from the airport. Yes. And also 
Um, so it's, good, it's, like, it's like a prototype for, for Wellington. That's interesting. Oh, for the whole of the country, really. We, yeah, we've seen Queenstown yeah. as a test bed to try new things. And nice you get and to small. go down to Queenstown lots. There's worse places to be, isn't there? There are worse places to be. Like you, you, you could have, you know, the data said you, you could have prototyped it in Tamaranui, but... Uh, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so it's going well. It's early days, but the intention is, is you know, um, shared mobility and what we've seen with, you know, other ride-sharing companies in New Zealand and internationally, I think that is just the precursor of what's to come in so the future. That's interesting. So so there's plenty of apps. You know, Uber springs to mind. Uh, you know, I, I want to get from point A to point B in Queenstown, so I open my Uber app, and the only solutions it's going to give me are Uber. But uh, if I open your, your choice app, it's going it's going to give me a wide range of things, including presumably get off your bum and walk, right? Yeah, absolutely. Active mode of transport, uh, uh, you know, a, a very much preferred mode of transport for us, including cycling. You know, and that's really what we want to be able to do is give people choice. Um, and once you can give people choice in the future, you know, and this is just me speaking, you could actually start to incentivize people for doing that by tying into the accelerometer on the device, for example. And, you know, we can see Vaughan cycling. He's on the Northwestern Cycleway. Uh, he cycled 10 kilometers. Let's allow him to generate transport credits that are going to give him discount for his, you know, ferry over to um, Devonport or something else. So once you've got the marketplace... That'd be quite neat, wouldn't it? I think so. Yeah, uh, so you're trading... trading behavior and trading and and i guess by that way uh you know we're talking well you know very theoretically at the moment we're mm-hmm. going okay we could um shape the way or try and shape the way people use our whole transport infrastructure by incentivizing things rather than just going hey we're going to charge lots for parking here or, or which is not your business but yep. we're going to charge lots for parking and that's going to make people take public transport mm-hmm. instead we can go oh we're going to give credit for you know riding your bike yeah that's right is- And I think that's where, for me, you know, you hear people talking about variable pricing and those types of things. I think the key word's invariable. You can charge, but you can also incentivize. Um, uh, And I think that's, if we're going to do everything that we need to look at, we need to look at it from a systems point of view uh, and and look at it as one transport system or even one connected system like Auckland in its own right. You can't just look at it as a transport issue. You've got to look at it as a, a, as a, a total issue and, and, uh, and work with partners to make that happen. Yeah, and you see this happening at a, a ticketing level, right? And, and, and innovation at the moment, you know, as, as a punter, to me looks like, oh, you, you know, you can buy one ticket that will get you from A to B via a bus, then a train, then a ferry. But it goes deeper than that, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Are we, are we doing well um, compared to the rest of the world? I mean, you know, you, you're, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, sort of push the boat out here and say your accent tells me you're not from round here but um, is, is New Zealand kind of leading on this are we following or are we sort of bumbling along the middle how are we doing? Uh, I would say in some areas we're leading so uh, around mobility as a service um, I'd say we you know uh, we're probably up there if not leading starting to lead it's a very emerging market and that's what choice is all about yep. um, how, how long has that been out? That uh, two weeks out? oh two weeks wow this is this is this is brand new news and obviously it's free absolutely yeah and if you if you live in Queenstown or you're about to visit Queenstown then it's uh, it's kind of a must download I'm, go- I'm going down there in November yeah check it out I will check it out. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a go. Uh, let us know what you think. I'm going to need transport from the airport. So yeah, that's good. And that's really what we want to change. If you look at a lot of the behaviours in Queenstown, it's people, you don't have to get them uh, out of the cars. You've just got to stop them getting in higher cars. Uh, and, you know, most of the experiences out of Queenstown, people will use shuttles anyway. Yep. Um, so, you know, let's find them a nice seamless way where they don't have to drive on holiday and they can go out and get out to the wineries and enjoy some of that great wine and enjoy themselves without having to worry about drink driving or driving on the wrong side of the road or... Or other 
you know, where you're going to park this thing and leave it there and pay for parking. We want to make the, the Queenstown experience as seamless as possible. You're, you're painting a very, very rosy, <coughs> or perhaps it's a rosé, picture of the uh, the future of transport, particularly in Queenstown. Anyway, talking to uh, Martin McMullen from NZTA. After the break, I think we'll talk about what we came here to talk about, which is uh, the way that NZTA is picking up on this new Facebook workplace thing. Back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis on Radio Live. And welcome back to Sunday Social with me from the New Zealand Transport Agency, Martin McMullen. Martin, welcome back. Thanks. Now, we meant to have uh, discussed before the break Facebook Workplace. That's what we came for, but we got all distracted with the interesting thing that's happening at the NZTA. And to remind you all the, uh, the name of that app, if you are in Queenstown and looking for some transport options, is Choice, which is a very, um, very Kiwi name for an app, isn't it? Yeah, that's why we went for it. Choice Bro. Absolutely. Choice Bro. Um, but Facebook Workplace, and this really interests me. And, you know, as, as I said in the, in the intro, Facebook we traditionally see as a place to, you know, connect with family, um, share lighthearted stuff, look at, look at cat videos and things. But NZTA, sort of government-funded agency, big important uh, organisation, you're using Facebook for serious business. How did that come about? It came about as um, a part of a work that we were doing about a year ago now around future focus, so what the organisation wanted to be in the future. And what we needed is a place where we could collaborate uh, across you know, many different offices. We're spread, we're spread across the country. So pretty everywhere there's a road, you are, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, we've got people on the ground all over New Zealand. Uh, we've got offices spread all over New Zealand as well, which is, uh, which is great. But there's also... It makes it hard to communicate and, and actually share ideas with one another, and that's really where we started to look at collaboration tools. So we looked at the whole suite of you know the collaboration tools that are out there, and we kind of stumbled across Workplace. Um, so, so before we get to Workplace, let's maybe um, do a one hundred and one on some of the alternatives that that uh, you know companies companies use. What what else is out there? And by collaboration, you mean uh, you know have online group discussions about projects and initiatives and ideas and things, right? Beyond just a, a CC all email. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's particularly what it, emails, email, and that's you know a very important business tool. This is about collaboration uh, and sharing ideas with one another and um, giving people an informal environment where they can actually develop thinking and, and learn from one another in a, in a nice way and in an easy way. Yeah. So I'm guessing all, all the big, you know, your IBMs and your Microsofts and your Oracles, they probably make things that do this, right? Yeah, yeah, they all, there's, there's lots of lots of collaboration tools out there and there's, you know, from all the, the spectrum to being seen as, you know, like really tight corporate collaboration tools like Yammer, which is a, a Microsoft product, yep. uh, all the way through to a more um, progressive, you know, more social-based tools like Slack. Um, and and a, lot of the, a lot of the little software and tech startups that we talk to on the show, they're right into Slack, right? They think yeah. Slack is the bee's knees. Yeah, and, and I'm a big fan of Slack myself. We, we, we tried with Slack. What we struggled with Slack was it's quite unstructured for uh, a traditional corporate business. Mm -hmm. You know, you have your group pages. You well, know. ANZ's using Slack, mm -hmm. which, which really interested me. Yeah, yeah. big bank. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a great tool. Uh, it really is, and it just makes things very easy and very uh, approachable to get involved in the conversation. What yep. we liked is, uh, what, what some people in our business struggled with is the lack of structure around the conversations and right, stuff. Right, right. Um, and that's really where we came across Workplace and... Um, Which is the Facebook, the Facebook solution, Workplace, yep. Yeah, because it is a bit more structured. It yep. doesn't use an individual's private Facebook profile. You know, that's Facebook outside of work. That's, that's a different platform. Yep. Each uh, employee has their own 
you know, persona for the for the NZTA. So, so, so it's not that picture of you uh, holding a fish that you normally use on Facebook. It's uh, you, you with a tie. You've been looking at my Facebook post. Oh, I have not, but forty-two uh, percent of New Zealand men on Facebook are pictured holding a fish. Good on them. I made yeah. that up. <laughs> No, yeah, exactly right. So I think my Facebook profile uh, ends up here is me wearing a tie, which is quite a rare event, so I've got to make yep. the most of it. Yep. Um, in fact, yeah. you didn't even do it. You just dropped it in Photoshop, I'm Absolutely. guessing. You didn't yeah. even have to wear it. Yeah, that's, I wish. I wish. I'm not a, not a tie man. No. But um, the real thing for us is the structure that it allows us to give. So having, you know, group pages where you can actually say this is what we're looking at. So this is, a, you know, how, how can we uh, communicate better as a business? You know, here's some emerging technologies around... You know um, what? What impact the drones going to have on the land transport system? So, 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 talk me through it. I, I, I work at NZTA in the the Greymouth field office or whatever it's called down there, mm. and I open up my phone or my my laptop, log on to Facebook Workplace, and I see, hey, there's a discussion started or a group started about how drones are going to affect us. Is this kind of how it rolls? Yeah. And then, then what happens from there? Uh, they can go in there and they can, Assuming I'm interested. They can post on it. They can follow that thread. Um, you know, people can share videos on there. So, you know, you, what people pick up from LinkedIn and other means, they can go and post videos on there. So it just becomes a place where we can learn which helps our staff develop the thinking. Uh, it's not a formal place where we create formal processes or create policy or direction. It's just a place where we can actually... Um, communicate with one another in an environment that allows us to develop our thinking and provide better outcomes for our customers. And the, the, the experience I've had with it, so the interface, you know, the news feed and mm -hmm. the way you comment and like and all that sort of stuff, feels like Facebook, which has got to be, you know, if, if I'm, you know, Greymouth Field Office and I've never used Yammer or Slack or any, you know, corporate collaboration tool... I guess an advantage of Facebook Workplace is I, I know how to like, comment and share and post a video. I know how to do these things already, right? Yeah, and that was one of the major factors that um, helped us roll it out is just people's acceptance of it, familiarity with the user experience and the interface, as you mentioned. So it, it really cut down having to go away and put lots of training out there. We actually haven't done any training at all. We just we just put it out there to see whether people would use it or not. And we started with a very small team, my team, and we grew it out to a slightly bigger team. And then it just really was made available to everyone in the organization and there was no expectation that people used it. But, you know, we have uh, a lot over, I think, 60% of the organisation using it weekly now, um, and it's just a great tool. And now, I, I don't know how hierarchical um, NZTA is, but, I mean, there's, you know, there are some people who wear ties and some people who wear overalls, so I guess there must be a degree of hierarchy. Does does that sort of dynamic change a little bit when you get into something that feels like Facebook? Is it, hey, hey, Marty, bro, when, when it's actually someone who would call you sir in a meeting? I don't know. I don't know if anyone calls anyone sir in meetings anymore, but does, does the way you interact change because it feels like Facebook? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a hierarchical issue, but what it does is it gives everyone an equal voice. Uh, whether you're a subject matter expert in a particular area or whether you're a senior manager or, um, you know, someone who's just had a, an interest in that area because, you know, it affects their lives and their family's lives outside of work. Um, everyone has a vo an equal voice to come and collaborate and, and give their opinions and, and, you know, and share the thinking, which is really what we're trying to... We, to, to create a team of teams within the organisation, you've got to take that approach. And, and I guess the thing it might do is throw up, um, you know, unexpected stars, you know, because you, you know, you've got a head, head offices or is it or is it Wellington? We don't have a head office. You don't um, have a head office. No. How, how frightfully modern. Yeah, no, it's great, isn't it? You like uh, re regions, do you? Or? Um, we, we 
We don't. We have regional presences, but we're we're kind of spread out nationally across right. the office. But, but I guess in, in a big organisation, there could be hidden talent, you know, way down the line. And what this has the potential to do is throw up someone who is a, a genius in, in drones, you know, from Invercargill, you never knew. Almost. Is this happening? Yeah, that, that exact story that you gave us there is... Um, Get out. Um, we had a guy down in Dunedin that had a massive interest in drones outside of work, and um, he's actually a surveyor, so, you know, quite a lot of alignment there, because that's what a lot of drones are used for currently in the and in the rodent industry so he's he now is actually um working with me as part of the drone program as part of a national program looking at you know how we can uh, safely integrate drones into the land transport system and, and you would never have made that connection through you know conventional means i guess no the guy's a maintenance contract manager he goes and clears uh, make sure the roads are safe and clear snow off the roads down in, in Otago. We, we, you know, we wouldn't There's nothing that. in his job description to indicate that uh, that you know drone drones would be his uh, his expertise. What, what's what's changed um, elsewhere in the organisation around comms? Has, has the use of email dropped off? Has the use of other other tools dropped off, or is this just a, an addition? Uh, I'd say it's an addition. This is more around collaboration. We still use formal emails within the business, um, and we also use formal emails externally. Um, this is more around uh, collaboration and idea sharing. So, yeah, the internal-external point, you know, is, is worth picking up on. So this is not like, um, you know, some Facebook dog lovers group where I can knock on the door and say, please add me. It's, it's entirely within your organisation. It is, but you can set up external groups. Uh, and that's something, you know, in future we'd probably look at trialling, you know, particularly when we have things like, you know, the, the uh, Waterview Alliance, where mm -hmm. we've got lots of different organisations coming together as one. A lot of the time we have we spend a lot of money at the start setting up joint systems, joint tools, whereas, you know, essentially we just create a group for that prep, for that project and then give it to a communications advisor or a manager and they'll go away and set up the right people from across a multitude of agencies. So that's something we'd look at in the future. It's completely up to the user, really. But in the meantime, there's, you know, there's no way that anyone could sort of barge on and see what you're talking about, which is, no, which, is, which, is which is important for, uh, you know, for, for most organisations. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing that um, had to have been pretty appealing is that as corporate IT moves go, I guess this is what you'd call it, it's really cheap. Yeah, very, I would say it's cheap. I'd say it's very cheap. A couple of bucks a user per month, right? Or yeah, yeah, that's the pricing structure. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, to have it as a... Essentially, a, a platform that we don't have to support and maintain, and have um, people in our office supporting these systems. It makes it a very attractive tool because you know it has the reliability of always working because it's you know a large organisation. Like well, apart, apart from the occasion, well, uh, when Facebook goes down, does this thing go down? Because Facebook goes down occasionally. Uh, I've never really, but occasionally. I've never seen it go down. Right. Okay. Which is which is you know for 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 a corporate IT thing is is you know music to your ears really isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. What what's been what's been the biggest surprise in the year or so you've been playing with it? I would just say how people are connecting with one another. Um, as an organisation, we've just gone through a big restructure, and we were quite um, we operated in very specific areas. You could call them silos. Um, what this has done is really helped people build essentially knowledge communities. Rather than being focused on, you know, your job is just to maintain the road. Or your, or your area is just Gisborne. Yeah, it, yeah. it's really um, helped. Div you know, it's a really important token of the new culture and the environment that we want to create as, a, as an organisation. And, and, and without it, we would be um, you're still using the traditional 
communication tools, which wouldn't have helped us to be a bit more of a, a team of teams rather than you know five, six distinct groups within one business. And have you ever forgotten whether you're on uh, Workplace or normal Facebook and posted a cat by accident? No. Not yet? Not yet. Not yet. But uh, I, I, I keep them in two separate folders so I don't make that same mistake. Pro tip. Hey, Martin McMullen from NZTA talking uh, Facebook Workplace. Thanks so much for joining me on Sunday Social. Always. No Thanks for having me. Hey, and you can listen back to that whole entire interview with Martin and indeed the uh, 182 other feature interviews we've done in the life of this show at radiolive.co.nz under Shows and Sunday Social. Or, of course, head on over to iTunes and download that podcast. After the break, Mr. Pios Chandra, a.k.a. PC with the apps and websites that you just cannot, cannot get through the school holidays without. Back soon. Your portal to the world of tech and social media. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. On Radio Live. Welcome back to Sunday Social. Yes, like the uh, like the disembodied voice said, I am Vaughan Davis. And joining me for the first time in the guest desk, Mr. Piyush Chandra. PC, welcome. Thanks, Vaughan. I haven't seen you for ages because we, we used to we used to kind of work together. That's when, right. We, when we were both in big advertising agency land, you're at Saatchi and Saatchi. It doesn't get much bigger than that, but no, you're paddling your own canoe now, huh? That's right. Just out there uh, helping a few of my clients with understanding how their advertising and enterprise analytics are working for them and what they can do to improve their businesses. But to be frank, it is a very small fledgling operation. So really, it's it's hey, all about having fun with technology. It all starts small and uh, I know there used, there used to be a, an expression from the early days of advertising where uh, a, a very big client said I know that half of the money I spend on advertising is wasted I don't know which half. That's right. And that's that's what you're there to fix right? That's right. So good old John Wanamaker said I know uh, that I need to keep advertising I just don't know where and I think that's kind of the big challenge today is that with all of the different opportunities that are available to you uh, knowing where to put your precious resources uh, becomes very important but um, you know it's it's a tough job. Uh, well, it's, it's not. It's actually PC. Actually, actually, I, I don't want to burst your startup bubble, but it's not hard. Uh, the place to put your advertising dollar is into sponsoring Sunday Social, and if you can't do that, just buy some spots in the breaks because we've got spots uh, right there in the breaks. And the reason you want to do that, and we were talking about this in the break. That's right. I've uh, got some very good news. Some very good news. This yeah. show, according to the latest uh, radio ratings, and this is this is a shout out to you, the listeners. Uh, we've we've doubled in the last year. We've doubled doubled, it's a 100% increase, our audience share in the uh, Sunday night 7 o'clock slot. Isn't yeah, that awesome? It's amazing. And it's been going for coming up to about three, four years now. Three, right? four so, years now. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty happy about that. Hey, um, some technology, some technology that's gotten you really excited. And you've been in the tech game PC for quite some time. So for technology to get you excited, it has to be pretty, pretty fancy. What is it? Well, um, as I was saying before, uh, I was recently in San Francisco uh, visiting with my brother-in-law and um, the kids turned around and said, hey, let's play a game of trivia. And I thought, oh, well, let's get out the trivia deck card. And they said, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. And the next thing I heard was, okay, Google, let's play trivia. And a voice from Google turned up and said, all right, this is going to be amazing. Let's play. Well, a voice from Google turned up. A voice from Google turned up, a tiny little box sitting in the corner of the room listened to the words, OK, Google, and decided to play a game of trivia with the kids. And suddenly we had everything that Google knows about the world, current affairs, arts, media, history, science, available to us as a game with up to four players. It was just, 
it just blew my mind. So the little thing sitting in the corner was a, a smart speaker called Google Home. It's clearly not just there to play trivia. No, it's not. In fact, um, what it was doing was uh, helping control all the thermostats in the house, control all the lights in the house. And that's when I started to really understand the real potential of just being able to talk to your computer. So if you think about where people have previously used computers, they've had to type things in, you've got to get used to these complicated interfaces and mobile devices, and yet the most natural thing we can do is just talk to somebody. Well, now you can just talk to Google. And that's so liberating, because if you want to know what your schedule is for the day, you just say, hey, Google, what's my schedule today? And it just reads out your calendar to so you. So how does it know? How does it know what your calendar is, this little box right. in the corner? So when you configure the Google box, and the configuration is really easy, you just tap a couple of buttons. If you have a Gmail account, you say, hey, this is my Gmail account. Which, which actually uh, more and more New Zealanders are about to have a Gmail account because a uh, little uh, you know, public uh, service announcement, you've got two months if you're at Vodafone, clear, Paradise or iHug, your email address is about to disappear. You've got two months to change to something, and Gmail is probably not a bad alternative. Gmail is probably a really good alternative, especially when you think about all the other things that you can do with it. So, for example, I'm running a small startup. I need to be able to still schedule meetings with people. Often you'd have to sit down at a computer, tap a bunch of things out, put in a location, hit send. Now I just say, hey, Google, book a meeting with X, Y, and Z on this date, at this time, with this location. And it takes care of everything for me. And, and so you're just standing there in your office or your, your kitchen or whatever. You say, you say these things, yeah. and the next time you happen to look at your phone or laptop where your calendar lives, yeah. it's, it's there. It's sitting there. And is, it, is it accurate? Because you know, voice recognition yeah. stuff has been around since you know, the very earliest Mac computers, yeah. certainly. Yeah. But it was always no good. It was always no good. Um, so I've been playing with voice applications for coming up to 18 years, and this is why this thing blows my mind. It can handle 117 languages, because that's how many languages Google supports. It can handle dialects. One of those is Māori. One of those is Māori, that's So you can, you, can, you can speak te reo to this thing and it will work? I haven't tried because I should, haven't should, learned that much. But we should yeah. try that. We should, absolutely. We should try that. Yeah. The other good thing is that it handles uh, dialects and it handles different languages. So I speak English, I speak a little bit of French, and I speak Hindi. And I can use all three of those languages with it, and it can deal with it all. So that's a little bit better than Siri, where if you've got a friend who's got an accent and Siri doesn't know what to do with it, it goes, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. Well, here you've got the entire Google Cloud working for you. So this little smart speaker, this Google Home, is sitting in the corner of your office or your kitchen kitchen Kitchen. and it's always connected to the internet and it's it's always listening to you are you okay with that well you know privacy is a is a concern um they're very useful i remember that from the 20th century we used to have privacy (laughs) um you push a button and you can turn the mic off if you trust the button Mm -hmm. Uh, but the reality is that pretty much every device you have with you right now is actually listening to you so if you've got siri activated on your iphone it's listening to you Um, there are stories out there that say that even your tv could be listening to you so you know i think well i talk i talk to my my mother especially talks to her tv um so this is probably a good news story actually if, if the tv were actually listening 
that would make it, yeah. you know, it would make us seem less silly for talking to it. That's right, and and that's that's one of the main reasons why I really appreciate what this technology is going to do. Because if you think about everybody that's out there that's been using computers for the last 20 years, they feel familiar with it. But we've got a whole bunch of people who are still frightened of approaching a keyboard. Well, when you take away the keyboard as a barrier, you suddenly make it available to absolutely everybody because all they have to do is express an intent, express a desire, and have the computer respond in a meaningful manner. Well, I'll tell you what, blind people might uh, find this a rather exciting technology. Yeah, definitely. And um, the other really good thing is that uh, you can play music off it. Mm -hmm. So you can say, hey, Google, stream my favorite playlist in the lounge, and it will do it for you. Or you can tell it to cast a TV show for you, and it'll cast Netflix, and it'll cast YouTube. If, if, you've, if you've got a, a Google Chromecast, Chromecast which yeah. is a, a little $70 yeah. widget that, that makes your TV all smart. Best, best gadget ever, I think, the Google Pr Chromecast. Pretty close to it, pretty close yeah. to it, especially for the price point. You yeah, know? yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, so, so speaking of price, so Google Home, yeah. uh, a little speaker about the size of a, like a fat beer can, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, where do you get one, and how much does it cost? So I bought my first one. Uh, Your first one? How many of these do you have? <laughs> I've got two, but the plan is to get three. Right. Right. Okay. So, so I bought my first one in San Fran um, earlier this year, and that was 149 US. Mm -hmm. Well, last week uh, my brother was in Sydney, and he picked it up duty free for 180 New Zealand. So, mm -hmm. the price is coming down, and hopefully it's coming to New Zealand real soon because. I think this is going to really change the way people use computers and actually access the internet. But you, but you don't. It doesn't need to be officially in New Zealand for you to use it. You can just no. buy one off the net, plug it That's in, right. and, and, and away you go. Yeah, it's not like Alexa and the others where they're geo restricted to different countries. So Alexa being the Amazon correct sorry, yeah. of this. So Google Home sounds like fun. Hey, uh, I've got. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to see your clever gadget uh, PC, and I'm going to raise you a really dumb gadget. And uh, I don't know. Uh, we, we, you know, maybe this should be a good news show, but sometimes, uh, sometimes something comes up that's just so dumb that you want to talk about it. Um, do, you, do you remember the story of Juicio, the uh, oh, sorry, Juicero, the uh, I do. the, the, the high-tech juice machine? So oh. this has become um, internet, uh, well, you know, tech world uh, legend. This was a Juicero was a four hundred dollar US internet connected juice machine, but all it really did was squeezed out these pouches of pre-juiced juice into a glass, which was. It was a rort, wasn't it? More than a rort. Um, you didn't need any specialized equipment. In fact, it was faster to just cut the corner cut off the, the corner bag. off and pour it out yourself. Yeah. So, um, so hard on the heels of that has has come a uh, a, a high tech internet connected app controlled yogurt maker, Yomi. Yomi. I just shake my head. How about <laughs> No Me? So. Um, in its defence, it's only ninety nine dollars instead of four hundred dollars, and uh, and, and it, it, it takes all the all the. Uh, it's, it's like an infomercial. This is the black and white part. You could make yogurt the old fashioned way, yeah. or you could get a Yomi. Ninety nine dollars, ninety nine dollars. It uh, it boils the milk, stirs the milk, lets it set before cooling it. So you could just have a pot in a fridge. Well, if you ask me, I, I think. Um Doing it the old-fashioned way is probably a really good idea. Or, you know, just going down the dairy and buying some yogurt. There's a reason they have special yogurt cows. I think that's how it happens. <laughs> the special yo they give them special yogurt food, and out comes yogurt. yogurt. Sounds good. They've got, a, they've got a wider diameter teat to, to allow the yogurt to flow, to flow smoothly. Hey, um, this, this next one, though, I really like. I really like yeah. this next one. Um, Auckland 
Public Library. Quite innovative, actually, Auckland yeah. Public Library. I, I see the name Sean Taylor pops up there, and I know, I know him. Clever guy. Yeah. Clever dude. Yeah. Um, Auckland Library was in the news this week, I think, because of its progressive attitude towards homeless people. Did you catch that story? No, I didn't. No, well, what happened there? Well, traditionally, um, libraries have kind of been havens for homeless people during opening hours because they're public spaces. Yeah. Uh, unlike a shop, you, you're not going to get moved on by the shop assistant. You know, there's something to do. You know, read a book, and they're nice and warm. There's lots of lovely chairs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And um, some libraries around the country have sort of seen this as a problem, going, okay, how do we you know, deal with these homeless people? Um Whereas the Auckland Public Library has gone out of its way to be welcoming, they have special film nights and uh, book clubs and all sorts of things. I think that's, I think it's a great thing that they do. I um, think it's a very, very good thing. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here yeah. to talk about this really cool thing they're doing. Bit of a gimmick, but a lot of fun. Interactive computer program that takes a photo of your face. So you're in the library. Yeah. You, you, you walk up to a kiosk, which is an iPad. Well, it's probably not an iPad. It's probably a Microsoft Surface tablet because it's run by Microsoft. Right. <laughs> it, it looks at your face and then based on how you are looking and I, I don't mean whether you look like you're old or young or black or white, yeah, but yeah. whether you're happy yeah. or sad or whatever, yeah. it recommends a book to suit your mood. That's so fantastic, isn't I it? I think it's cool. It is. Um, well, so Auckland Public Library has been, been innovating for a long time. Um, my memory of it is, is being able to borrow books on an e-reader from a public library two yeah. years ago. Yeah. And, you know, to someone who reads a lot, this was a real boon because otherwise you were just tied down to having to buy books all the time. Um, to hear them now stepping into the world of what, you know, uh, in computing we would call cognitive yeah, so, so 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 discerning someone's uh, emotional state yeah. by looking at a photo of them. Yeah, and and uh, I think it it also combines weather into the into the analysis as well. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you're if you're um, if you're sad on a sunny day, you get an extra happy book because you, <laughs> you should be you should be smiling. But uh, kind of kind of neat. So so Sean Taylor, bless him, said um, it's basing its recommendations on the books that live in the basement that, that uh, people hardly ever read, which I, I think is quite neat. But he, he said a really good thing. He said this could be the future for serendipitous book selection. And that, that's music to my ears. Serendipity. Yes. Serendipity. Because the, the internet generally is no friend of serendipity. The, the, the internet is usually about curation and going, okay, Piyush read this book and this book, and this book, therefore, there's a 99% probability he will like this That's book. That's right. And actually, Amazon's recommendations are getting poorer and poorer as a result because I'm buying fewer and fewer books from them because I don't like where the recommendations are going. It isn't expanding my field of reading. It's actually narrowing me down to, uh, to a little bubble of my own, which I don't want. I yeah, mean, the whole reason you read is, is to expand your horizon. That's right. There's, so this serendipitous thing uh, is, is music to my ears. I, I remember early, early in Amazon, honestly, the, uh, the courier, my local courier got to know me. I was buying so much <laughs> off Amazon. It was just magic. Look, I could, I could tappity, 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 and two weeks later, some books arrived. Right. But... Uh, when it began to recommend books that I already had on my shelf that I'd gotten, you know, from from other places, yeah, that's when I knew that it was just uh, it was just going down a, a narrow corridor. It, it right? does narrow you down, but the, but it's really interesting um, that you bring up Amazon because um, they've sort of been doing lots and lots of innovation outside of their their core book 
area. And um, I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to use Amazon Prime. Well, no, I haven't, because New Zealanders don't get to play with that. Right. Well, so, OK, Google. Well, New Zealanders in New Zealand. New Zealanders in New Zealand, right. So, here you go. So, OK, Google, place an order for this book and a tea set and have it delivered this afternoon. And at 4 p.m., the FedEx truck turns up that afternoon. Hello. <laughs> with, no, they don't even bother. They just ring the doorbell, leave the box. That's it. Well, it'll be drones. It'll be drones next. But that, but that's the future. The, the Amazon Prime is not so far away because, you know, we've got a, an Amazon distribution centre opening up in Australia by the end of this year. That's right. And I can I can see a scenario where if I, you know, order a book at uh, breakfast time in Auckland, probably just Auckland, I'm afraid, uh, it'll be there on my doorstep by dinner time from Australia. From it's, Australia. It's, it's, it's entirely feasible. It's entirely feasible. Yeah, it is. Hey, let's talk. Uh, it's school holidays, so let's talk. Uh, let's talk navigation. And uh, navigation's easy when everything's going well, when there's no cows being blown onto the motorway, or um, you know, or, 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 or flooding, flooding in Whanganui, as one uh, one one Twitter fan uh, mentioned. Uh, but when things go wrong, you want to know where the snails are, and you want to know how to get around them. And this is where Google Maps sometimes falls down, right? Totally falls down. Um, so, you know, it's great when you know where you're going and you know all the shortcuts. Um, you experience it a lot in Auckland where you do have uh, traffic jams. Uh, but it's particularly... Now, now and then. But it is particularly painful when you're in a new city, you've just gotten into a rental car, uh, and everyone's told you to watch out for the traffic jams, and the first thing you do is rookie error, drive right into one, and then you're in a car park. So luckily, luckily, there's an app for that. There is, yes. So two years ago, um, I was driving um, to in KL in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, and I received the best piece of advice via Facebook message, and it was get Waze before you get the car. So the name of the app is Waze, W-A-Z-E, Waze. And it was just a brilliant piece of technology. This thing knew where every traffic jam was. It knew what rate of at what speed the cars were driving on different roads and it calculated the best possible way to get there using a mixture of highways back roads so that you weren't spending two hours in a traffic jam you were spending 45 minutes getting to your destination so Waze, interestingly um started out in israel i didn't know that i thought it was american but it started out in israel and in 2013 it was bought by Google and everyone thought that, that that would be the end of it but it's actually carried on so that there are critical differences between Google Maps which we tend to all use and Waze so the first one is that it's more likely to take you by the back routes if, if it needs to yeah. the second one is where it gets its traffic jam information from right where does it get a traffic jam information from you all right. Yeah. So well, that's so clever, isn't it? Yeah. So so um, so Google Maps works out what the traffic's doing based on location data from the phones of all the people using it. We spoke about this in the first half. Waze does that, but it adds user inputs. So if I'm a you know if I'm stuck uh, behind an accident, I can just hit the accident button and log it. Wow. And that's a real-time logging of the accident. If there's um, a traffic jam, if there's a bridge out, I can log it on my app as I go, and that contributes in real-time to the navigation information. I mean, isn't, isn't, this, isn't this amazing that we're, we're living in an age where our collective knowledge and collective intelligence can be used to be so helpful? Yeah, it's really cool. And, 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 and the, uh, the sum price of this amazing app, of course, is... Six dollars? 
Well, I thought it was nothing. <laughs> do you have to pay for it? Do you? Oh gosh. I think, well, here's, well, here's me. Here's me. When here's I me, got it two years ago. Not, here's me not doing my research. <laughs> hey, um, well, that, that's your first show over with PC. I hope you enjoyed it. Great. Thank you so much, Paul. Uh, you should it. come back some other time. Thank you so much, my first half guest, Martin McMullen from NZTA, uh, Mr. Piyush Chandra, and of course Sarah in the booth doing a sterling job. Next up, the weekend variety wireless. But right now, I'm Vaughan Davis, wishing you the nightiest of nighty